Martin banks it off. Sutter is up with it there. Right around in front. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Leading goal scorer on the team. Drew one in front. It's the TC Martin Show. A tie game on the power play. Hodgson was at the front of the net. They are even. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. A power play goal by the captain. T.C. Martin. It's brushed on back by Richard Fartchuk. Right up front. Younger fan inside of the net. Score! The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us. It is a Tuesday. T.C. Martin show coming your way wherever you may be. Game one. Stanley Cup playoffs. It's finally here. Where are we at? Middle of August? And we're having game one. It is the Golden Knights taking on the Chicago Blackhawks. Late night game tonight, 7.30. But it is game number one. We are finally down to a regular hockey playoff format. 16 teams. The qualifying done. The regular season done. Gone by the wayside. Oh, and by the way, who has the number one seed? Your Vegas Golden Knights. So, Taking on the Blackhawks. Looking forward to that game number one tonight. Plenty of college football on tap that we have to talk about. Picking up right where you left off yesterday with uh, Trevor Maddich and Matthew Holt. Today, Scott Spritzer will join us a little bit later on from the betting perspective and some some thoughts from the longtime college football fan Scott Spritzer. He will join us at Doc Sports and Sam Gordon. Will join us to kick off the show here. Does a fantastic job with the Las Vegas Review Journal and the new, no, not boxing, but the new UNLV Running Rebels um, beat reporter for the basketball side and the football side. And so Sam's going to join us here in a couple of minutes. He just got done with a a media conference call with Desiree Reed Francois, the UNLV athletic director. So we'll get the latest from Sam regarding that. All right, so let's set the table. Here's the latest and the greatest. It's really not the greatest, but here is the latest what's happening in college football. So the Big Ten made it official today, postponing the football season. We talked about it yesterday, thought that it was probably going to happen, and that's exactly what happened today after the commissioners and presidents got together. They made it official. They are going to attempt, I think that's the key word here, attempt to play in the spring. The Big Ten commissioner said there was too much uncertainty regarding potential medical risks. Therefore, we are going to look at playing in the spring. The Pac-12 is in a meeting as we speak. Many people believe that the Pac-12 will follow suit with the Big Ten and basically wrap it up all together and not have a college football season. Or if they do, they'll try to table it for the spring here. The Mountain West Conference announced yesterday that they are canceling uh, their football season all together. And then, as we know, we had the, you know, Varying, you know, commissioners from from different uh, conferences over the weekend all get together and uh, try to determine what they're going to do with their own decisions here. The MAC, the Mid American Conference, canceled its fall season on Saturday, so they were the first conference to do so. Kind of like what we talked about yesterday, going back to March Madness and what happened with these 
uh, conference tournaments for college basketball, the Ivy was the first one to say, hey, you know, we're done. And a lot of people thought, well, it's the Ivy League. But then what happened immediately thereafter, other conferences uh, fell in suit. And next thing you know, uh, we stopped playing college basketball together here at T-Mobile Arena, the Pac-12 tournament, Madison Square Garden. They were like the last ones, the Big East, to say, okay, you know, we're going to try to play through this. And, and they didn't. And lo and behold, that was basically the end of college sports as we know it. And right now, it looks like all of the fall sports for the college season is done. All right. So here is what's troublesome for me. Is it the independent nature of each of these conferences making their own decisions based on their own individual research or talking parties and really not coming from a place with collective information? This is frustrating. This is frustrating that we don't have a universal governing body or someone saying that, hey, we need to make the ultimate decision here. This is absurd. It's frustrating that we are relying on each conference. And going back to we had this conversation in March and it carried through the summer months of, okay, we've got plenty of time for football to get this right. And we've said the clock is ticking that these are going to be the most important two weeks of the college football season going back to the end of July. And guess what happened? Nothing happened. The same old thing happened. It was procrastinate. It was delay a game penalties. To finally, where are we at today? The 11th hour. Schools are back now in session. Plenty of campuses have students going to school. We've had college football programs practicing the last couple weeks. And to get this decision today... Despite college football coaches like Nick Saban, to hear uh, players like Trevor Lawrence, coaches like James Franklin at Penn State, Dabo Sweeney at Clemson saying, we want to play football. Let us play football. Hearing the Nebraska governor saying, let's play football. Nebraska even going to the extent of saying, you know what, Scott Frost, their head coach saying, Big Ten's not going to play, we still want to play. They could go rogue. This is frustrating. This is unfortunate. The college football has always been a mess. Going back to the bowl system, the going back to the voting system for playoffs, going to only having a two-team playoff system, and then having to pull teeth and twist arms to make it four and never expanding to eight or to 12 or to 16 But this is the frustration that we are seeing again with college football, this multi-billion dollar industry, and they're messing it up again. If, If you're scared, I understand that. But let's start looking at what everyone else is doing. At what point in time are are we are we going to let players play? Be able to take some risks like the NBA is doing, like the WNBA is doing, like Major League Baseball is doing. I don't understand why you can't go into camp and you can basically survey the situation and do what the National Football League is doing. Planning on playing. And if you got to pull back, you pull back. But again, we don't have to anticipate the negative here, especially when we look at the numbers that are in Ann Arbor. And Jim Harbaugh saying, look at what we've got in place here. 353 Tests. The last 353 tests have come back negative. 
What does that tell you? That tells you that Michigan is doing something right here. They've got things in place. We understand Oklahoma, Clemson, the, a lot of these universities going back a month, month and a half ago, yeah, they had anywhere from 20 to 30 to 40 positive tests. They self-quarantined, and now those numbers are minimal. Okay, Some of these universities, like Michigan, haven't had a positive test in the last 353. So is it premature? Is it overreactionary? And you are going to get that. You're going to get that with college football fans. You're going to get it with college football faithful. And it all goes back to this. People are going to say the NCAA is all about the M-O-N-E-Y. They're about the money. Do they really care about the student-athletes? Do they care about the coaches? Do they care about the fans? They'll say it's in their best interest you know, to protect. But then again, if you're sitting there talking about potentially playing in the spring, that's just more delay a game. We've gone delay a game from March to June to August to the end of September and now to spring. The Big Ten timeline has gone down like this. July 9th, they announced they were going to play a conference-only schedule for all fall sports. On August the 5th, three and a half weeks later, they released a revised 10-game conference schedule for football. On Sunday, the conference presidents met to discuss the fall sports. Today, they gather and they postpone fall football and will attempt to play in the spring. All right. So, domino effect, is it coming? We probably think so. All right, let's bring in our good friend Sam Gordon, who covers the Rebels, UNLV. And he was uh, privy to the conference call that I could not attend because I was on the way to come do the show here today. So Sam's going to give us the latest news on that. Sam, first and foremost, how you doing, my man? What's up, TC? Doing well. How about yourself? Good, 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 good. All right, so let's start. Uh, you were privy to the conference call with Desiree Reed-Francois. The Mountain West Conference says they're canceling the fall sports, no football season. Uh, give us the... I guess the the highlights from what Desiree Reed Francois had to say today. Yeah, I mean, I think the the biggest thing is that she remains extremely optimistic about playing in the spring, and and the sense that I'm getting is that the Mountain West uh, is determined to play in the spring and, and determined to adapt and figure things out, and is going to use these next few months here to to kind of establish certain parameters and, and, and go from there. So. Uh, that's that's definitely um, you know the biggest takeaway for me. The UNLV student athletes are going to have all their scholarships honored, and, um, and and UNLV football coach Marcus Arroyo said he's you know he's had a plan in place for a few weeks that you know this this could he saw this coming that it was potentially going to happen, and they're ready to roll uh, all the way uh, through February. Guys, you know, still had uh, strength and conditioning workouts this morning. Uh, it's it's tough, right? You plan for for months. You know, for some guys, years, if you're a senior, you, you, you plan all this time, you invest all this energy, your entire life into competing and having this season, and it doesn't happen. And, of course, there's an initial wave of disappointment. But what can you do? This decision is made. It's You can control the controllables. And the sense I'm getting within the program is that they're going to try and be as optimistic and as positive as possible about doing what they need to do the next few months to prepare for a season that they very much believe is going to happen in the spring. Did anyone talk about if they even approached trying to just you know continue on here in the spring and to do the testing and see how the numbers would do and kind of take the approach that the NFL has taken here? 
Well, what I what I've heard um, the last couple of days, TC, is that there was a that there was still actually some momentum as recently as yesterday in the conference. Uh, there was a split among schools in the Mountain West where you had a a group of schools that very much wanted to play and wanted to play in the fall, and then you had some schools that were, oh, you know, let's wait and see, let's 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 not rush in anything, things of that nature. So I think there was there was something there was a, there was definitely a divide there. There was some, a fracturing of opinions where eventually. Those who wanted to delay uh, the, the season until the spring won out, and that's what ultimately happened. I, I think um, from a coronavirus standpoint, it, it feels like most of these universities, like, like you said at the top of the show, like most of these universities had things under control and uh, that it might have been worth worth giving it a shot. Now, the, the coronavirus, what we haven't learned anything new about this virus in the last week, right? Like there's, there's we've known that it's these are the risks, these are the death numbers. Like that information is all out there, and I don't think – there's anything necessarily new that happened in that regard in the last week and a half. What you had that was new in the last week and a half is players mobilizing, players making demands, using their leverage as the, the, they, they are the product in college sports. And I'm speaking more broadly here, right. not necessarily as it pertains to the Mountain West. Players are coming together and using their voice and understanding what, what power they have. And that's what changed in the last week and a half, right? Like you had schedules being made. As recently as last week, and so there, I don't think there was just this drastic shift about the virus. I, I think the shift was more so. Look, this is every. All these things are in flux. All these there's all these moving parts, including the players. They want to play, but they want to play with certain conditions. We don't know what to do. Let's shut down shop. And, and to, to, to your point at the top of the show, TC, like the domino effect, right? I think you are eventually going to see the domino effect. I think the SEC. And ACC might try to power through, and maybe even the Big 12. Uh, you know, we haven't heard any announcements from those conferences yet, but uh, the, the Pac-12 and the Big 10 and the Mountain West, all of which, as you know, have players' coalitions that came out and spoke out and unified together You know, unified together in the last week and a half, those three leagues uh, are among the first to shut down shop. Don't necessarily think it's a coincidence. I, I think there was some type of – the sense I'm getting is coaches wanted to play, players wanted to play, and even athletic administrators wanted to play to some degree that there's a disconnect on a university level, and that's why we're shutting down shop. No, I completely agree with you. I think that they're, they're a total split here from players, coaches, anyone who's involved with the daily operations of a sports program, athletic directors included, in comparison to chancellors and conference commissioners here. And there's the big right, divide. Right. There's a huge divide here. And again, it would be nice if they would start listening to the players, if they would start listening to the coaches. And like I mentioned earlier, there are people who are saying, hey, we're we're willing to take the risk. And when you look at the players, especially the guys that could have their NFL futures jeopardized here, plain and simple, and losing eligibility, but then again, maybe not being eligible for the NFL draft. I mean, there's just so many layers and so many parts to this, and you can point to the the money uh, controlling thing, and it's like the commissioner's controlling thing, and not having that dialogue with uh, athletic directors, coaches, and players. 
And I, and I said this weeks ago, Sam, maybe we needed to hear from guys like Trevor Lawrence uh, and other star players. Maybe we need to hear from Harbaugh and Dabo Sweeney and Nick Saban and James Franklin a lot earlier instead of waiting to the 11th hour yesterday when it was too late. But all of those guys you know, were, had some passionate statements, some passionate speeches, but what took so long? I mean, they all knew that this day was probably going to come. If you wanted to save your season, let's get in front of those people and make this thing happen before it's too late. Yeah, yeah, no question. And and I get where you're coming from. I I think that just kind of speaks to how powerful the NCAA machine is and what they're able to do and that that it took kind of a pandemic for – how do I want to say this? It it took the perils of the pandemic at this particular juncture to foster – this kind of unity, and um, you know, one thing, one thing that was interesting on the conference call um, with with UNLV with with UNLV is that there was a, a defensive back, uh, Drew Techman, a senior defensive back, who talked about talked about Mountain West United, right? The Mountain West Players Coalition. He said, "Look," and I'm paraphrasing here. He said, "We we needed to we need to mobilize, regardless of the pandemic. This needs to keep up. This momentum needs to keep up." And and I think. What you're seeing, yeah, it might have been Trevor Lawrence might have spoken out about this a little too late. Same with Saban and Harbaugh and some other high-profile players. Maybe it was a little too late to save this season. What I think you saw is that the players, they have the, the – I don't think their voices are going to go anywhere moving forward, right? Like, they've understand, they've understood at this point, this is how we get leverage. This is what the kind of platform we have. And the hope is that maybe moving forward, there is more of an open dialogue. The NCAA finally acknowledges that, look, players – that players are more than just student athletes. They are part of this. They generate this. They drive this billion-dollar enterprise that we have. We need to listen to them. We need to take what they say seriously, and we need to work together because because what we have, like you said, TC, what we have this disconnect between administrators and chancellors and presidents and athletic directors and players and coaches. This big collective dis- disconnect. That's where we are right now. Where we don't know if we're going to have college sports at all this year. Period. Forget football and ball sports. Are we sure we're going to play winter sports? And, again, a lot of optimism about the spring. And by the spring, we'll have four to six more months of information on vaccines and the virus. And there, there, there hopefully will be some type of dialogue or collaboration about addressing the players' needs and requests, which I believe, for the record, are very, very, very reasonable requests from the Big Ten players, Pac-12 players, Mountain West players, et cetera, et cetera. Those aren't unreasonable requests. Hopefully, there's a conversation that continues there about how to how how they can get their needs met, and we can we can see something maybe in the spring. But then again, who knows? There's so much uncertainty. Did you think when the virus first came in March that we wouldn't be playing college football? Like who? It's it, there's still again a lot of variables. But the hope is is that maybe this can this can foster a more productive college sports landscape down the road. It's just unfortunate that it had to, you know, we had to get here first. All right. Sam Gordon joins us. Las Vegas Review Journal covers the UNLV Rebels from the football side, the basketball side involved in that conference call today with uh, Desiree Reed-Francois after news came down yesterday afternoon that the Mountain West Conference is postponing their season, just like the Big Ten announced today until the spring. Like you said, Sam, no guarantee whatsoever that the spring is going to happen. Because they right. took the, I don't want to say laissez-faire um, approach here, but really, it's like, well, you know, in this March, April, May, we, we got time. Let's just kind of wait and see. Is there going to be a vaccine? Let's take a look at the numbers. And then, you know, people were, were staying home. They were social distancing. But as we've seen during the course of the summer, people got a little lazy with that. 
they got a little spring fever, you know, <laughs> that sort yeah. of thing. It's like, hey, uh, cabin fever, we, we won out, this and that. We saw what happened with the Marlins in Major League Baseball and then with the Phillies. But for the most part, the rest of Major League Baseball stayed cool. We saw the NBA was okay for the most part, unless you're named Lou Williams and you're going to go get some chicken wings after a funeral in Magic City. You know, there's, there's going to be rogue people like that. But, you know, for the most part, I think people have been safe, and I go back to Michigan, and we go back to these varying quotes. And Jim Harbaugh said, we have developed a great prototype for how we can make this work and provide the opportunity for players to play. If you are transparent and follow the rules, this is how it can be done. And again, Michigan, zero positive tests out of the last 353. Nick Saban saying, our students, our players are much more safer on our own campus than they are if we send them back home, if we send them back to their their neighborhoods. And especially for a lot of the inner-city kids, they're saying they're going to probably contract the virus. We can control it better here. They're going to be in a safer environment. And I think that there is a, a lot of truth to that. And you know, Dabo Sweeney basically said the exact same thing. To quote Trevor Lawrence, and you mentioned him, so I'm going I'm to throw his quote out there from yesterday. People are just as much, if not at more risk, if we don't play. Players will be sent home to their own communities where social distancing is highly unlikely and medical care and expenses will be placed on the families if they were to contact COVID-19. Not to mention the players coming from situations that are not good for them, their future, and having them go back for that. Football is a safe haven for so many people. We are more likely to get the virus in everyday life than playing football. Having a season also incentivizes us. Players being safe and taking all the right precautions to try to avoid contracting COVID because the season and the teammates' safety is on the line. Without the season, as we've seen already, people will not social distance or wear masks and take proper precautions. I think there's a lot of truth to what he says there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, th- I think. I mean, he's he he makes a lot of very astute points, and you're talking about somebody that without that could theoretically sit out the season and probably still be the number one pick, right, or a top three pick in the NFL draft. So his voice carries a lot of weight. Uh, it, it definitely does, and, and he makes fair points. And I think that just goes to show you, right? Like there, you have all these differing opinions about what to do. And, and how to proceed about the virus, and that that kind of shows you just how polarizing it really is. Is that we, you know, we don't know what we don't know, and um, it, it would have been under. You know, I, I'm curious, really curious to see here if the SEC and the ACC decide to proceed, uh, which is still up in the air as far as I know, unless you've heard any announcements over the, you know, since we've been on the phone. What, what is that going to look like if they do? Can they be stringent? Can they perhaps provide some kind of model? for the universities that are choosing to play, play in the spring, the, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and the Mountain West. I, I'm not sure. It, you know, there's, it remains to be seen. But um, it's, I mean, we, 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 here we are. This is the domino effect. This is what happened. Uh, we weren't here a week ago. It looked like there was plans to play a week ago, and, and the virus didn't change. The players mobilizing did, and that, that's, that's where we're at right now. So uh, this is a, um, what you could, I mean, a, a seminal moment in college sports, I think. I think depending on how these next, three to six months go in the course of actions that these respective conferences take, you may, you may see changes to the way uh, the infrastructure of college sports you know, is the way it looks, the way it's, it's developed, the way it is moving forward. Um, but, yeah, the, 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 the virus, I, I don't know. Like, we don't know where it's going to be in the spring. I don't want to pretend to know. 
and maybe maybe it gets worse, and maybe it continues to get even worse, and now would be the best chance to play. Like there's just, I, I'm 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 not sure. I I did a story a, a few weeks ago, TC, where I consulted Dr. Ram McLean. We did a Q and A type thing, and, and he kind of ran, ran me through, you know, similar to what you said. If you follow the procedures and the protocols to a T, and you are very very prudent and considerate, you have a chance to play. You, you give yourself a chance, and a lot of these universities seem to be doing that, and the conferences and the presidents and the chancellors and all these higher ups. Uh, basically pushed it all off the table before you could even start it. So here we are. We'll we'll see what happens. All right, we talk about the domino effect and just within hours afterwards, and this breaking news just happened since we just came on the air, the Pac-12 postpones all sports through the end of the year. So I believe when we look at this... Basketball too. Yeah, when I hear end of the year... I'm believing, as I'm looking at this for the first time, Sam, that means the end of the calendar year because it looks like uh, that Pac-12 commissioner, you know, uh, Larry Scott, is saying that at the end of the calendar year, uh, this is going to take an effect. Like you said, would take care of winter sports in college basketball. So we've come full circle here. This is where it started, and we remember there was one night played here at T-Mobile Arena of uh, the opening round games of the Pac-12 tournament, and they shut it down. And now it looks like those players, those teams, are not going to be able to start their season and even have a season this year. So the domino we talk about, the Big Ten makes that announcement. Pac-12 follows suit today. And and now we'll have to see where everyone else goes. Because, again, the most frustrating thing is it's not a unilateral decision. It's not a universal decision. It's... Everything is on every conference. And when you do that, let's say, like you said, the SEC and, and the ACC is going to plug along. They're going to try to make this happen. How, how does this work, Sam, where you can't have a national championship now, you can't have a playoff system, if you're going to have people playing in the fall and then some other schools or conferences decide, well, we're going to wait and try to play in the spring. This is insane. It's absurd. It's crazy. Yeah, I guess you. I guess those conferences, you just kind of play for a conference championship, and you you try and you know from a university perspective and from a league perspective, you try and uh, make as much money as you can and see what kind of viewership you can draw, and and then you you move on. I, I don't. I really don't know. I mean, like, like you said, it's it's just it's so unprecedented that I don't even know how you would go about doing that or where to even begin on something a situation like that. With college football, I mean, we've known about the chaos of the BCS and the voting and all those things for determining national champion. Maybe you just don't have a national championship this year if if you can't get at least collaboration from the you know the five the, the five power fives with with the Big Ten and the Pac twelve off the table. You don't have that, right? There is no collaboration there. So uh, yeah, maybe it's just a, a conference championship is the best you can do. It's a it's an audition for some of these guys to make the NFL if they're able to finish the season and. You know, for the ones that are already guaranteed to play in the NFL, like your Trevor Lawrence's, you, you hope that they don't get hurt, and uh, and you, you you go from there. It's 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 so hard to even speculate on because it's just so unprecedented. But uh, you know, here we are, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what the what what route the other leagues choose to go in the next few weeks. All right, Sam Gordon joins us from the Las Vegas Review Journal. Again, Desiree Reed Francois held a press conference at UNLV an hour and a half ago, uh, talking about the postponement of the Mountain West football season playing in the spring. Sam, how conceivable is a spring season even? Was that talked about? Is this a a pipe dream? But considering if you would have other sports and 
and then getting, you know, we were thinking that, okay, we're going to have basketball and you're going to have, you know, the NCAA basketball tournament, you know, going, which is the major cash cow. And can football even be successful in the spring season? Right now, is there any prototype out there aside from the, the malfunctions that we've seen from the XFL and a lot of these other spring leagues, professional leagues. Seriously, I mean, I'm not sure you know people can even want to see spring football, but from a college perspective, I mean, what is the model here? Because we've never seen it before. Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know if you try and do some type of bubble setting. Um, maybe that depends on what, what schools are doing, whether they're, the students are back on campus or not. Like if, if, they, if the students are all learning online anyways, Maybe you can figure out a way to construct some kind of bubble when, and you play the games that if, if there's a city, you know, regional city where there's multiple stadiums and multiple high school fields you could use, you, you figure out how to do a bubble. I, that's, I'm really not sure. I think another thing to, to discuss when we talk about the spring season is you play in the spring and then things get back to normal, which, again, aren't a given next summer. We don't know. But if they do, then you're going to play again in the fall. So you're going to play, what, 8, 10 games in March, April, May, and then you're going to take two months off, and then they're going to play again later that year. I mean, football, it's scheduled the way it is for a reason, and that's because it's so incredibly taxing physically. And I think that, you know, for all these health and safety concerns, you hear, you hear these leagues talking about health and safety when they come out with their press releases and things like that, announcing the cancellation. I don't think playing 20 to 25 games in an eight-month span is, is really healthy or safe, right? So there, there maybe you have a truncated – fall of 2021 season too i mean the dominoes as you talk about it, it they they may not just be with the college with the conferences and the the leagues this year maybe it's the next five years maybe it's the next three to five years maybe it's the next decade i, it, I it's i don't know it, it really depends how long we're in this pandemic and and about what kind of negotiations and discussions the the ncaa the conferences and the, and the players have with, with one another if you, if you can get to a um, uh, 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 a common resolution or a place of, of solace, uh, more or less. Uh, maybe, maybe we see the players unionize, like the the the, the player the, the coalitions from from each conference. I mean, that feels like the start, right, or like the seeds of what could be a possible NCAA football players association. And maybe they say, no dice. We're not playing two seasons in ten months. You're not doing that to us. I mean, they want to play and they want to play safely and. There's some risk with the virus, right? That, that, that they're willing to take on, but they're not pros, and, and they're not. They don't want to necessarily. Maybe they don't want to put their bodies through through eighteen, twenty, twenty, whatever. How many games you end up playing in the NFL if you include playoffs? It could be like twenty three or twenty four. Maybe they don't want to do that in such a short period of time. So um, that's. I think that's another thing to consider when we talk about the spring is spring and fall and the health of the players if that were to happen too. There's only one common theme here. And that is, and you just yeah. you just said you just said the words right there. We don't know. Nobody knows. And you know what? That's been the common theme from the beginning here, going back to March, throughout the summertime here. Nobody knows, and they're they're making decisions here. Just again, when we hear the Big Ten commissioner say there, this is the quote: "There was too much uncertainty." regarding potential medical risks. And see, when I hear that, that's bothersome to me too because we know every time a football player at any age level, it, it, there's a risk. There's head trauma. Yeah. There's, there's you know, blown ACLs. There's you know, anything could happen. I mean, you are always at medical risks here. 
And yeah, yeah. Th- that that's the certain thing. And all you can do is keep testing and have everybody try to be as smart as you possibly can. And then again, you know, we're 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 been preaching, hey, try to live as much of a of a normal life as you can and not be total shut down, total seclusion here. We have to get on with our lives, but let's just go about this smartly. And again, I keep pointing to what Michigan is doing. Some of these other places are doing. It seems like, okay, it's working. I mean, we're seeing professional basketball being played. Okay, we're going to have a champion this year, asterisks or not. Uh, we saw it with overseas with with those soccer leagues that just concluded. We're going to see it with the WNBA. We're not having a whole bunch of people test positive. Okay, Major League Baseball, they've had their quarrels, their problems, but you know what? They're chugging through it here. And I think, again, not to take this lightly, no one is. I'm not. But I'm just saying, at some point in time, you, you've, you've got to take the medical precautions that you can control and try to move forward and go through with this. And that's what we're seeing the other leagues do. So if college football, yeah, yeah. why why can't if the especially the National Football League, they're saying you know what we're going to try this we're going we're going we're going, I don't see why college football can't take that same approach I really don't. Well, I you know to, to your, when you when you quoted the Big Ten commissioner, uh, it made me think of I, I mean I thought of one thing in particular he talked. Whatever his quote was, it's it's a lot of vague buzzwords, exactly. right? uncertainty, exactly. risk. Yes, there that, that he's not. There's no nuance. There's no specificity to me. And I want to go back to what I said when I first came on to see um, the the conferences. The players have these coalitions. They're comfortable playing through the coronavirus, provided you provided that the conference meets the conferences and the universities meet these stipulations, and they present stipulations that are very, very, very reasonable. Guarantee, you know, scholarship guarantees, eligibility guarantees, allowing the players the right to opt out, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't even know if these, these, if these conversations between the players and the league, these respective leagues, even happened. Like, were you willing to negotiate with the players about what it took to have a, se- a season, or are you just willing to be general and vague and say, nope, coronavirus, got to close it down, because you don't want to have that dialogue and you don't want to possibly secede some of the control that you've had over this whole quote-unquote amateurism for the last however many years, 100 years, whenever the NCAA right. um, got started. That, that, that's, what I, that's what I go back to. That's what, that, and that's, you know, this is just us talking right now. This is, I'm not reporting anything. I can't, I'm, I'm, this is just speculation and kind of putting two and two together. That, that is the only thing that has changed over the last week and a half. The players want to play. The universities need to, t- they want to be taken care of by the universities if they do play, which they want to do. And the universities and the conferences and the leagues are shutting that down before you even you even give it an opportunity. So uh, it's 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 certainly I can't say I'm surprised. It certainly is a disappointment, but it's not surprising given what we know about the 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 institute the the, the uh, NCAA as an institution and these conferences as as their own separate entities. There it is, Sam. Uh, well said. That's it. We're taking you off the beat reporting. Uh, you're a columnist now, okay? That way you can give your own opinions. There you go. Move over, Ed Graney. It's all good. Here comes Sam Gordon. <laughs> Hopefully someday. Hopefully someday. Yeah. Bill Bradley, there you go. There you go. I'm representing you right now, Sam Gordon. There you go. All right. All right. We got to get rolling. Real quick, man. Uh, Aces in action tonight. Uh, they're on a roll right now. Asia Wilson's looking phenomenal. What are you thinking? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I tweeted it out on Friday, TC. I think Asia Wilson is is the the, the front runner. To, to me, she emerged as a, a candidate on Friday night with what she was able to do in the fourth quarter uh, of that game, and, and then on Sunday, 
against um, who they play against Sunday. Uh, Sunday, uh, New York. New, uh, no, they the Liberty played the, play the Liberty, right? Yeah, the Liberty. So, so Angel McCosh, can't get anything going. Caleb McBride can't get anything going. And Angel Wilson said, "I got this." Yep. And plays thirty nine minutes, scores thirty one points. And to me, that's like, nope. She's the front runner of the MVP. She's the MVP front runner right now. I, I think, all things considered, I, I think um, she looks like a much better player to me. Her conditioning seems better. She's more decisive. She's making better reads on the offensive and defensive ends of the floor. And I think that, that her teammates are really following what she's doing. Um, Angel McCoskey has been such a dynamic addition. She's a, a wing that can create her own shot off the dribble, right? And that's something the Aces haven't necessarily had the past couple of years. We, we know Kayla McBride's at her best when she's coming off screens, when she's cutting off ball, dribble handoffs, things like that. You can give the ball to Angel McCoskey on the wing and say, go, get, go, into the, go, go to the free, go give me, give me two free throws. Give me a layup. Give me an open jumper. And she can do that. And watching her and, and Angel Wilson figure that, that out, I think, I think the team is going to go as far as that duo carries them. And Kayla McBride, you know, she struggled a little bit early. I think they have to find a way to get her in a rhythm. And if they do, they can be a very dangerous team, not just in the regular season, but in the playoffs. I've been very impressed with what I've seen, particularly from Asia Wilson. Um, you know, the other MVP candidate, obviously, Brianna Stewart, former, MV, uh, former MVP, former champion. The difference to me between her case and Asia's case is that Brianna Stewart has her whole team. Asia Wilson doesn't have Liz Cambage. Kelsey Plum, who blew her Achilles out and is recovering as we speak, she's not around either. So, so she she's had to do more and carry more of a load. And uh, I think it's it's still early. We're only a third through the season, but I, I think she's um she's positioning herself for an MVP run and has the Aces in position to make a playoff push and maybe a run in the postseason as well. I agree. Bill Lambier actually said that before the season started on this show, saying, hey, Asia Wilson could be MVP candidate this year. 31 points, like you mentioned, in the 78-76 victory. I believe the Liberty led for everything except the final 38 seconds, but... uh, you know, it was fantastic. Dierka Hamby, we're seeing her at her finest again. She had 13 on Sunday. Awesome. Jackie Young, believe it or not, Sam. You know, you know, we didn't know what we were going to get from her, and she's getting better and better in the aces at the free throw line. The last two games have been phenomenal. 21 for 24, uh, you know, on Sunday, and I believe Friday, what, 27 for 30, something like that. And they play Indiana tonight at 4 o'clock. So uh, I'm looking forward uh, to that tonight. They've won four in a row. So uh, it's great. It's, it's great that the Aces are playing well in the Wubble in Florida. Just uh, wish that we could be uh, part of it and, and watching them and covering them and working with them like we have uh, in the past. But uh, we'll have to watch from afar and root them on. So there you go. All right, yeah, brother. Well, and, you know, I appreciate you having me on, TC. We'll see how the Aces do um, tonight, right? They play tonight? Yeah, they do. Four o'clock. Four o'clock. Against Four Indiana. o'clock tonight. Yep, we'll Indiana. see. We'll- We'll see how they do tonight if they can keep the momentum rolling. Thanks for the time, TC. I really appreciate you. Uh, really appreciate you having me on. You got it, brother. There he is. Sam Gordon does a great job with the Las Vegas Review Journal. Has covered the Aces in the past. A great uh, boxing beat writer. Now covering the UNLV Rebels on the football side and the basketball side. Giving us the, the latest from today's press conference with Desiree Reed Francois, the UNLV athletic director, and talking about how the Mountain West Conference has postponed their football season to the spring just as the Big Ten did to this morning and just moments ago the Pac-12 follows suit with that. When we come back, Scott Spritzer will join us. We'll get his thoughts on this. We're going to talk about the Nebraska coach Scott Frost, what the Nebraska governor's been talking about, Scott, a native Nebraskan, and of course uh, our featured handicapper, what is life going to be without betting college football? <laughs> Logic and insanity mixed into a perfect prescription from the Dr. T.C. Martin. 
All right, another heavy day today. Getting word, no college football from the Big Ten. Moments ago, the Pac-12 follows suit. The dominoes are falling. Let's uh, dive into a little bit uh, more of this. Uh, Great stuff from Sam Gordon, Las Vegas Review-Journal, talking about the Mountain West perspective, UNLV, Mountain West, no football season. Everyone attempting to play in the spring. So we'll dive into more of that with our good friend, Scott Spritzer. What is going on, my friend? Not much, man. I'm just watching, uh, you know, sports and coaches and athletes and GMs who actually want to play the game. Yeah. Well, really? What are you watching? Croquet? Cricket? What are you <laughs> watching a little bit of NHL right now. Blue Jackets of Lightning, you know, a little extra, little extra uh, action going into uh, overtime. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny what's going on, TC, right now because, and I don't mean funny in a humorous way, uh, but to watch these college football conferences going against logic is is kind of eye opening. No doubt about it. All right, so let's let's dive into this from your perspective. We're hearing everyone saying, "Okay, we're going to attempt to play in the spring." Scott, there's no guarantee that spring's even going to happen because, as we've said before, when everyone was kind of tabling this until the fall. Going back to March, it's like, well, we got plenty of time to figure this out. And then we're pointing at the college football situation with no directive coming from one governing body. Everyone is kind of going on their own, and it just progressed this way, just down the drain, so to speak, from June to July to August. And here we are now with camps, you know, supposed to be happening as we speak, and then still. What kind of statements are we getting? We're getting vague statements. We're getting very vague statements with a Big Ten commissioner coming out today and saying, well, there's just too much uncertainty regarding potential medical risk. And as we know, every time you take the football field as a player, there are medical risks. But there's just everything is vague. There's too much uncertainty. To me, it's absurd that we are getting into every conference kind of going on their own and not not just anything that is being determined uh, uniformality. You know what I'm saying? Just There's no uniform decision here, and I think that's the frustrating part for players, for coaches, and for fans. Biggest difference, NFL uh, kept taking care of day-to-day operations when the virus first hit and things got shut down, and college football administrators, or you know, at least the folks who were in charge of the sports, decided to sit on their hands and, and watch and see what happens. And just like fielding a grounder at short, if you let the ball play you, the ball plays you, right? And that's kind of what college football did. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like looking at this and I'm thinking this is, you have to be naive to believe there's going to be football in the spring, college football. It ain't going to happen. Uh, I'll bet you a dinner on that right now and I hope I'm wrong. But they're, they're going to not play college football in the spring. If they do, it means that we have therapeutics in place that aren't in place right now. Therapeutics for the virus don't mean a vaccine because a vaccine is 50-50 that we're even going to have one 12 months from now. It's going to take another 6 to 12 months on top of that for it to be administered. And as I wrote in an article earlier today, it's not like the world's top priority is getting college football athletes in America vaccinated so they can go out and play college football. So you're probably looking, best case scenario, 18 to 24 months before uh, vaccines are administered if we even ever have a vaccine. So I'm hoping that the smarter people of the world, the world's smartest, are out there actually working as hard on therapeutics as they are on vaccines. If there is a therapeutic upgrade in the next six months, 
maybe we see college football being played in the spring and whatever conferences decide to cancel now. But here's the thing. They're not going to play more than six or seven games in the spring, and they've already said they're not going to turn around in the fall, at least the, the people who are speaking the truth. Scott Frost, for instance, says we can't play two seasons in one calendar year. It's impossible for these kids to have to do that. So you might see six games in the spring, best-case scenario, and if they play it, turn around and play in the fall, it's going to be another six or seven games. You will not see college football, college football schedule uh, played to the norm, 12 games and a bowl season until 2022, just mark my words, because of this cancellation. It'll be two years from now when we're talking about the next normal college football season. Uh, it's impossible what they're asking for. I think you have to be naive to think they're going to play in the spring. And again, uh, they're doing this is what blows me away, TC, and it's sports and everything else. All right, we're just going to shut it down for 2020. We're checking out a 2020. It'll be fine in 2021. Where's your guarantee on that? There's like a 10% chance that you're going to be fine by spring, if that. So it's a situation that I think was the college uh, powers that be uh, in the Big Ten and the Pac-12 made illogical decisions based on the fear that they could, could be held liable for maybe a player or two getting beyond sick. You know what I'm talking about, a fatality yep. or anything like that. They're protecting themselves. If they're all about protecting the players, then why do we have college football in the first place when there are dozens and dozens of concussions right. suffered with potential lifelong implications every single weekend that college football is played? I'm calling, I'm calling their bluff, man. I think it has nothing to do with the safety of the players and everything to do with protecting themselves. 100%. Totally agree with it. It's, it's all about that. They're not caring about the players. Using the players' safety as an excuse is ludicrous. And not caring about the fans. Now, we know the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12 have not made any announcements. And that's some die-hard football country, as we know. It seems like they're going to try to maybe stick this out. If they do, Scott, do you think that these guys actually try to go forward Go like the NFL is doing, say, hey, we're going forward until we can't go any further. Are they going to do that? And if they do do that, what, what kind of season could we be looking at? Because like, right now we can't have playoffs. If you're not getting involved, you know, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and, and you know, the Mountain West, I mean, they're not really in a playoff factor here. But to see some of these conferences say, hey, we're going to wait till the spring, or does this make – the dominoes fall with these big power conferences and say, okay, we'll go spring too. But like you said, no guarantee that's going to happen. Or if you're the, the SEC, ACC, Big 12, do you say, you know what, let's play anyway? I think the SEC is going to play. I think there's a good shot that we could see the Sun Belt for what it's worth. I think there's a shot that we see the ACC. I think those three are out in front of the Big 12 right now, although the Big 12 is still talking about playing. And then you have a Final Four, so to speak, from those conferences. And the bottom line is, is you've got doctors who are close to these SEC programs. You've got scientists who are around SEC country who are saying it is illogical to say we're going to not have a season and play next spring. So a lot of the doctors and the scientists that you read about that are around the SEC are basically saying, go play. They're, they're echoing what Scott Frost has said in Lincoln, what Nick Saban has said at Alabama, what uh, James Franklin has said at Penn State, that most of the players in college football, these major programs, 
are safer being within this college football bubble, for lack of a better word, than if they're out on their own at 18 to 22 years old. And that makes so much sense. It's ridiculous. You, you get the temperature taken every day you walk into practice. You get your temperature taken every game day. There's no fans in the stands anyway. If you have any slight problem, whether it be COVID or not, you've got the best team doctors you're going to find in these conferences who are going to take care of those kids pronto. Under 40 already sees such an insignificant amount of people dying from this disease. It's beyond ridiculous. So I think you will see cooler heads or smarter heads or more logical heads prevail in the SEC at the very least. You know, it's just going to be a weird season, and I think what's going to happen is if the SEC plays – and maybe the ACC and Big 12, you're going to see a situation where the Pac-12 and the Big 10 are going to find out they've actually screwed themselves into a hole because they will not recover financially uh, with all these other non-revenue sports, which is everything outside of the college football and college basketball. They will not recover from this. And you're going to see so many sports that are going to drop by the wayside and these kids who have given their, you know, all their time growing up to these different sports are going to be SOL. TC. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you what, right now, I, I think the SEC will play. We'll find out soon enough. If they do, the Big 12 and the Pac-12, I, I don't know. I mean, the Big 10 and the Pac-12, I don't know how they could ever exist like they have thus far. Ohio State's talking about playing against SEC or ACC opposition, if possible, so is Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the other teams are just kind of walking around being led by the nose. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I just think it's some illogical decision-making based on what they're not telling us, which is we're going to CYA, we're going to cover our you-know-whats, and that's all we really care about. I agree with you, totally. Again, you can use the term you know, overreactionary, especially, and I loved what the SEC commissioner said. He said, hey, we need to take our time and make this decision. Don't make a, a hasty decision here. Let's, let, let's see this thing through and see what, see what happens. And again, I just point to the NFL. I don't care if they're, uh, it's a professional football league or not. I mean, again, they're planning on going forward and playing, and we've seen that you can play sports. We're watching it right now, the NHL. We got the Stanley Cup playoffs going right now. We got the NBA, Major League Baseball. Even though the Marlins and the Phillies screwed things up to a certain degree, <laughs> or the Cardinals, were, you know, the 27 teams, you know, got it right. So I hope you're right that the SEC, ACC, Big 12, you know, go. And and I want to hit you on this because you're a Nebraska native. You've been talking a lot about Scott Frost. We've heard comments from him and the Nebraska governor. You know, talking about hey, we we want to play. Let let the players play. Let the coaches coach. And again, you mentioned James Franklin, Penn State. You know, Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, all all saying. You know, Trevor Lawrence saying, hey, let's let's try to play here. Let me ask you this: How legitimate is what Scott Frost is saying today about hey, we'll play anywhere. We'll we want to play so bad that we'll go ahead and play an SEC, ACC schedule, or whatever we have to do, be an independent. But what are the ramifications there from the Big Ten about allowing one of their their members to go outside and basically go rogue? And possibly Ohio State, too. Because yeah. Ohio State's saying now they're, they're echoing what Scott Frost says. Yeah, the Big Ten's done, uh, not a done. They're, they're in trouble. And so is the Pac-12. Because, like I said, if the SEC plays, the ACC plays, and there's a couple of schools like Ohio State and Nebraska who are huge money makers. Yeah, Nebraska. But can they make that horrible. decision though? That's the question. I mean, can they go outside? Well, of the-, the Big Ten's already given them their blessing so oh, far. There he is. It, okay. Yeah, I just saw today where uh, the Big Ten commissioner was saying, you know, we respect what Nebraska or Ohio State will do. You know, they're they're passionate towards their programs, 
And Nebraska is right now saying all the right things. Our allegiance is to the Big Ten, but that doesn't mean we're going to not play if we get the opportunity. And so the Big Ten is kind of, you know, giving them their blessing uh, without making it official. They've at least spoken as though they've given them the blessing, and I don't think they're going to be able to hold them back. And you're going to see a situation, again, the Big Ten and the Pac-12, if everybody else plays those other power conferences, it's going to be 2022 before they can ever play a full, complete season again if they do have a spring season. And so it's a situation where recruiting is going to get crushed. Uh, You're going to see certain teams in both of those two power conferences that are going to be lower in the rungs of recruiting if these other conferences are able to play. And I think Nebraska and Ohio State are smart enough to see the big picture. And I would add Penn State to that. We hear what James Franklin had to say. Why wouldn't Penn State join the uh, the fall too? You know what I'm saying? Why right, would they play? I think they will. Yeah. I do know that Ohio and State Wisconsin, and maybe, have And maybe Wisconsin, too. Yeah, well, I haven't heard anything about Wisconsin yet. They seem to be kind of just waiting and seeing. But I do know for sure that Penn State, Nebraska, and Ohio State seem to have given you know, their coaches their blessings that let's do what we have to do. Listen, Nebraska and Iowa, the states of, those two states have been playing uh, Legion baseball, American Legion baseball, since June. Yeah. They're playing every day. <laughs> High right. school kids playing baseball. You know, so it's ridiculous. I mean, I had a buddy of mine in Nebraska who's sending me video 15, 20 second snippets of them playing American Legion baseball in Iowa and Nebraska, playing out their seasons. You know, it's just ridiculous. Again, this has nothing to do with the safety of the kids. There might be one or two administrators out there who are a little bit off of their thinking as far as what reasons and, and the danger of this, who might be thinking, you know, best case scenario for the kids, but the majority are just protecting themselves. There's no doubt in my mind. I agree with you. All right, Scott Spreitzer, Doc Sports. All right, Scott, let's leave on this. Stanley Cup playoffs are here. Golden Knights against the Chicago Blackhawks tonight. Uh, here we go. Best of seven playoff series. Uh, give us the line tonight. What are your thoughts? Well, it's a big line. I mean, the Golden Knights, you've got to lay two bucks if you're going to back the Golden Knights in this particular game. Same with the series. They're a huge series favorite, and rightly so. I, I think it's a, a five-game series at, at the longest. I think that you're going to see a 4-1 series win by the Golden Knights. Pacioretty's back. Listen, there's only one spot when you break down every section of the ice where Chicago is even tied at the level of Vegas, and that might be defense, and that's basically because of one guy, Duncan Keith. Outside of that, I think they're just, they just are inferior to Vegas in every other situation on the ice, including coaching. DeBoer's taking two teams to the finals. And then, of course, you've got goaltending. Yeah, I know they know how to beat Robin Lerner from practice and playing with them all, this, all these years. But again, the third best goalie on the ice is the top goalie for Chicago. And that third-best goalie is going to be Crawford in this particular series. After watching what Vegas did, I think it's a five-game series, if not four. All right, there it is. Scott, great stuff, my friend. Uh, we will talk to you later. Continued uh, success with the, on the handicapping front. And uh, hopefully we get some college football that we can talk about and, and bet on come September. Appreciate it, TC man. Take care. You got it. There he is. Scott Spritzer. Go check him out. Doc Sports. Great follow on Twitter at Scott Wins as well, too. All right, hit us on Twitter at TCMartin21. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website, TCMartinShow.com. Check out the latest articles we got up there. The interview yesterday with Trevor Maddich giving us all kinds of great stuff regarding college football. That's up there. The interview page, some of the great past interviews. You can catch us on any national podcast platform, Spotify, and all the rest. And again, go to the website, TCMartinShow.com. We're back at it again tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Thanks for joining us. Tell a friend. We'll see you mañana at 2.